everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Another beautiful spring afternoon. Lots of sun and plenty of pollen. Hope everybody doing all right. Not sniffling, sneezing, whatever, too much. But uh, welcome in to The Tuesday Drive. Bill, I didn't know that I'd make it. I was, uh, there's some serious traffic out, out, out and about. You also gave yourself a pretty difficult, you know, I mean, you gave yourself a, a you know, a pretty remarkable, to make it is, hey, is, is, is nice, is nice work. I, I didn't break too many laws, I don't think. Uh, I was, I was at Tiger Town when I called you. What, what time did I call you? Yeah, Bill, uh, Bill was, uh, I was, I was stuck out at Tiger Town. Doing his best Smokey and the Bandit. Between. No, it's like which is the best route, which lane is going to be the best lane, and things worked pretty well. Almost caught all all the lights. You green. did what you did what they said can't be done, right? You, you know, you had, a, yeah. you had a long way to go in a short time to get there. Uh, yeah, and I was I was westbound, westbound, and and down. Yeah, you're people people very rarely remember that. That was the first song. Oh yeah, in Smokey. You know, it was westbound and down, but then eastbound and down was the single. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't ah, even remember westbound. I mean, remembers. Go back relative, and watch but, it again. Okay, I'll go. You know, you know when uh, when when Burt Reynolds's birthday is coming up, we'll we'll have a, a film festival and and I'll go revisit uh, the, uh, the the Smokey and the Bandit uh, series. All number twenty two. <laughs> that was Burt's number. You know, at Florida, Florida State. State, of course. Yeah, yeah one, one of the uh, one of the all time greats. So no, we're, not exactly. We're but, here in the uh, number twenty. Well, I mean, no, I think as a as a. Uh, Movie star, maybe one oh, of the no, all, no. one of the all time greats. I don't know. Well, he, yeah. he was he was he was one of my favorites. Great but, actor. Could have yeah. could have been a little more careful about what he picked. You know what he Probably. what he decided to Probably. appear in. But uh, but he, he had a lot of fun doing it. Evening Shade was funny. He had a lot of fun doing it. You know. Oh yes, you're right about that. that that's right. So I mean, there's uh, you know. Any, anyways, See, we tie, get it tied tying it into sports. <laughs> you know, that's 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 what we're trying to do. But yes, it's the Tuesday drive here in the Wow Business Studio. Bill, Dan, and Drew, the regular crew. That's right. And of course, you can get two months free on super fast business. Internet when you switch to WOW. Details at switch to WOWbusiness.com. Hour number one of the drive brought to you by our friends at Kia of Auburn on South College and Kia of Auburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. Also, the sponsor of our hotline where we welcome our guests and, and, you're, and, and be our guest. Uh, there we go. It's like I felt, what was it I was watching? Uh, Beauty and the Beast? No, no, no. I okay. guess that is Beauty and the Beast. But no. I know what it was. I was catching up on Billions last night. And how many movie references did they make in it? Have you seen oh, I'm not a billion. I'm not a, I'm not a Showtime. Oh, I'm not oh, a Showtime. Oh, oh, okay. I was going to say, you would have appreciated. I hear, I hear Billions is great. You would have appreciated all the movie line 
references they made last night in Billions. But anyway, yeah, uh, um, we welcome your calls, questions, comments on the Kia of Auburn hotline. The number to get you through is 334-321-1390. That's right. You can also text the show on the drive text box presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, 334-564-1840, to send us a question or comment. So uh, with, with, with most of the business out of the way, I felt like I was reliving that <laughs> recording. We That's just for us. That's just for you and me. Oh my! Yeah, uh, it's it's been one of those days. It feels it feels like a Friday. You know, it should be Friday. I, I how many tomorrow, weeks are left? It's in ready. The, Tomorrow's the weekend. Let's go. Let's do it. How okay. many? How many weeks are left in the school year? Too many. It Is, goes through the last week of April, so we've got uh, uh, five or six weeks. Okay, so it does, but it does feel a bit like the home stretch it of does. the school year. I mean, that's always sort of the period after spring break, feeling like the you know the last few weeks. You know, that that time between spring break and the uh, and 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 finals week, you know, has that sort of that feeling of of, of everyone, you know, not, not running out the clock, but no, there there is there are five full weeks after this week, and it's just Tuesday of this week. So let's pretty much say there are about six weeks of classes left. Right, but that can feel, you know, six weeks of but, only five weeks for me because I'm gone the last week. Right, but I. So, so I can understand how this is, and and maybe because people are getting back in the rhythm of spring break, you know, after, after spring break last week, and maybe it's also got something to do with the disappointment of Auburn's basketball season being over. Yeah, let's put that behind us and move on to other things. I mean, I'm still following the NCAA tournament pretty I will. closely. I mean, I, will. I think that I mean it's not it, as closely. Look, my bracket was complete. I've never had a bracket as destroyed as this one. I've generally at least been able to. I've had that false hope. That, hey, I've still got a chance. I have no chance. Well, I guess I do. I guess I do have a chance. I still have Arizona to win. Oh, you know, I mean, if your champion's still in it, then you, you're, you're doing great. I mean, I'm not doing great. I, I don't know. You know, I, I'm not paying attention to, you know, as far as like, you know, what you, what you could achieve with your bracket, but I mean, I'm not I, either. And no, and I, and I would say, Brackets aside, like if you're a fan no, of college, great games. If you're a fan of college yes. basketball, there have been some great games these first mm-hmm. four weeks. There have been some pretty, pretty monumental upsets, and you get some great matchups on Thursday and Friday to send teams mm-hmm. to the Elite Eight. I mean, there are some basketball games that are even if you're look if you're if you're swearing off college basketball because Auburn. Oh, and I'm not, it, and not not you, but in general, if if the listeners out there are are done with college basketball because Auburn season is over, I would urge you to reconsider because Thursday Arkansas Gonzaga could be a really good game. Houston Arizona. Right is nearly right. A, nearly a pick 'em, mm-hmm. uh, and that and that's a. Uh, I mean, th- those are two teams that look like they're uh, good enough to win it all. Texas Tech uh, is a favorite against Duke. Uh, Duke is a. Uh, I mean, it could be could be Coach K's last game, like we were saying. And one of the stories of the tournament is Michigan. Right, the way Michigan's played in those two games to get to the Sweet Sixteen. I, I don't know how many folks thought, even if you said there's going to be a double digit seed. In the Sweet 16, I don't know if people looked at Michigan as the team that was going to uh, to to navigate the path to get there. One of many double-digit seeds in the Sweet 16. The only one in action on uh, Thursday night is is Michigan, but Michigan Villanova is going to be a really good game too. I think you get four you get four really really interesting basketball games. Gonzaga is the biggest favorite. Are you sure Gonzaga is going to blow out Arkansas? On on Thursday uh, night, I mean, no, that's, I mean, no, I'm not. I, I think you could. I think you get four really good games Thursday no, night. No, no, I, I agree. Uh, and and yeah, Michigan was a team. A lot of people said shouldn't even be in the tournament, and maybe they shouldn't have been. 
you know, when you look at their record, you go, well, what have they done to deserve it? Well, they have played like they deserve to be there. That's right. One of the last, uh, one of the last teams in the draw without having to make the play-in game, right? They're mm-hmm. one of the last teams to make it, uh, in, in the field of, uh, of, of the, the tournament. But no, they've played very well. I mean, keep in mind, this is the team that was a one seed and one of the favorites, right? After Gonzaga and Baylor, Michigan was the team last year that people thought was good enough to win it all. They were one of the one seeds and, uh, it looked like, uh, you know, Juwan Howard's team was well on their way until they ran into the UCLA Bruins. But that's a, I mean, th- this is, it's a talented team that, you know, may, I mean, they, lo- they lost a lot of regular season games, but at their best, they were good enough to beat anybody. And so that's an interesting proposition as they face a Villanova team that's maybe one of the most impressive looking teams in, in the field through the first weekend of the tournament. I just can't wait for Thursday night. I think there could be some great basketball. And then Friday you get a Friday you get some name brands in action too. But no, those four games on Thursday look like uh, look like they could all be uh, can't miss. And that is one of the worst things about this time of year. As we talked about the best time is Thursday through Sunday where you've got games from 11 o'clock in the morning until midnight. And then comes Monday. And then it's like well, now what? You know, you've got you. I mean, you can you can watch. You can find other tournaments. You can find the NIT and the CBA and the basketball tournament or whatever. Uh, maybe I mean, if you're really desperate enough, you can find them. Hey, did did you did you see what the uh, former Auburn players did last night in the basketball tournament? Javon Franklin went off. 28 points. Oh, cool. Um, 10 of 12 from the floor, 8 of 10 at the free throw line, Wait, 7 what? rebounds. South? Okay. Oh, no, this is the, is this the CBI? Is this, this the, is the uh, maybe it's the CBI. Okay. It's which one? I don't know. I thought the basketball tournament was the, was the thing that the, you know, oh, the, the teams. Well, I mean, that, that tells you how close I think I'm it's the CBI. So it was South, South Alabama? Whatever. Yeah. And, and, uh, and also in double figures, uh, was, uh, Oh man, what's what's the guards? Name? Turbo Jones. Turbo. That's right. I think Turbo had twelve. The two of them combined for forty points uh, as they beat. I think they beat South Carolina upstate. That's right. They night. did. Yeah. The the uh, the basketball classic. The basketball uh, quarter quarterfinal. Okay, it's the basketball classic. The basketball okay. classic. I mean, I have yeah, I have trouble keeping up with all these. No, it's understandable. A lot of, lot of tournaments, but that's a. Uh, but yeah, like, how about that for those uh, two former Auburn players? Yeah, cool, cool stuff. <laughs> and there, I mean, there is basketball going on on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday between the uh, you know the bracket uh, moving from from sixty four to sixteen, and then waiting for the Sweet Sixteen to start. But you're right; it does feel like after after wall to wall basketball for four days, it's something of a letdown to go back mm-hmm. to not having college basketball. But at the same time. I mean, it does build some anticipation for Thursday and Friday night. You know, these these Sweet Sixteen games where, and I mean, it would be it'd be cool if you could do them. You know, in a way that was a little more staggered throughout the day. But CBS CBS wants right. the television windows. TBS the Turner folks want the television. <coughs> you know, the maximum television windows. So you probably want to do those on a uh, you know on on you know, in in the Sweet Sixteen in the Elite Eight. You want to do those in prime time and you know for for everyone to watch. And it's uh. No, it's, it's disappointing that uh, not just Auburn, but the SEC in general uh, was uh, was 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 bounced in short order from the tournament. I I had Tennessee going. You know, talk about your your bracket being in shambles. I had Tennessee going pretty far. Well, they looked so good coming yeah. in, and I you know that was a bracket I struggled with because I liked Villanova and I liked Arizona a lot. I did not see Michigan coming. 
I, I that was one that I I no. was I was in the group they expected of, them to just sort of be passed. Yeah, I was in the group of people that thought Michigan was one of the teams you could have you could have mm-hmm. made an argument to uh, exclude from from the tournament. But they're playing very yeah, well. You can you can add Tennessee to that group now. They wish Michigan had been excluded. Yeah, Tennessee does wish that Michigan had been you know excluded or seated higher. You know, maybe maybe they just you know wish Michigan had gotten more respect, so they wouldn't have it, they wouldn't have had to play them in the second round. But no, Rick Barnes and the Tennessee Volunteers go home. Uh, that was a team that a lot of people were were excited to see uh, in in future rounds. Instead, it's an early exit for uh, for the uh, SEC tournament champion and the Kentucky. Uh, you know, of course, Kentucky Wildcats going home at the hands of St. Peter's. Uh, that's a. Uh, I mean, it's. If St. Peter's wins again, that becomes the story. Oh, of the that, that right? I mean, a 15 seed. I mean, already to be in the in the Sweet 16 is is fairly unprecedented for a 16 or a 15. I think I think Florida Gulf Coast was a 15 seed that made it to the Sweet 16 10 years ago. Was that Andy Enfield? Wow, has and, it been and, that long ago? I mean, he's been at USC for 10 years. Golly. I think. I think that Florida Gulf yeah. Coast team. Was a uh, was was about a decade they did, ago, but it, it's hard to believe it's been that long. But you don't, but you don't see a lot of 15s or 14s winning multiple games in the NCAA tournament. And if if St. Peter's can get to where, I mean, if they win on Friday night, Bill, they're one win away from the Final Four. It's a St. Peter's Peacocks. I mean, this is the this is the MAC, the M A A C conference that doesn't send. I mean, they don't send teams to the round of 32 in the NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, except on very special occasions, and yeah, St. Peter's. Now they're the biggest. They're the biggest underdog, I think, understandably, of the of the Sweet 16. Purdue is a 13, 13 and a half point favorite over St. Peter's on Friday night. Um, but St. Peter's has been counted out a couple of times already in this tournament. Kentucky and Murray State, and uh, and now, I mean, I wouldn't. Uh, I, I don't know what was uh, what was Abilene last year. That was a uh, that was a really were they have fourteen. Uh, I want to say I want to say Abilene Christian Abilene Christian 13, 14 no, 14 sounds right. They might have been a 14 seed. So I mean you've seen some you know I, I don't know if I want to take you know draw larger conclusions about parity in college basketball or anything like that but you've seen some teams make pretty remarkable runs and you had the 16 seed finally win a couple of years ago too. So you have I mean it's it, it maybe seems like the bottom of the bracket is getting tougher than than it used to be. You're seeing it's still rare, but you're seeing 14s and 15s uh, put up a fight. You've seen a 16 seed win. We might have a 15 seed in the Elite Eight, depending on what happens Friday night with St. Peter's and Purdue. You're guaranteed you're going to have one double-digit seed in the Elite Eight because um, you've got Miami uh, and Iowa State, a 10 and 11, playing. Certainly not. I mean, so that's and it, and they're playing like two of the best teams in the field mm-hmm. right now, too. I mean, I know the seeding would indicate that they're, uh, uh, you know, that the, it's a Cinderella story or something. But Miami didn't look like Cinderella uh, with the way they handled Auburn on Sunday night. No, and, not at and all. I, and Iowa State. I mean, they were they were a great. They were having a, a better regular season. It took a turn the final month of the season. They've sort of shaken it off, and now they're playing at a really high level. I don't know how many folks thought Wisconsin wasn't going to make it to the Sweet 16 when they saw the bracket, but Iowa State had other plans, and now you've got, like you said, either a 10 seed or an 11 seed guaranteed to be one win away from the Final Four. And, and, I, and I won't, I mean, I think some of these other double digit seeds, right? Michigan. Absolutely has a shot sure. of winning that basketball game. So there's a, uh, I mean, yeah, it, we we, I don't know if we are done as far as seeing the, uh, you know, the lower seed. Even Carolina, right? I mean, they're 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 supposed to be an eight, 
but that's that's they're a team playing like it. They're not playing not like an all. eight. And Carolina UNC on Friday is going to be that. That's that's going to be an awesome basketball game. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety just underway. We'd love for you to join in. It's Tuesday, so uh, looking forward to our regular Tuesday guest Barrett Sully at the bottom of this hour. Jake Crane at the bottom of hour number two in the. The rest of the time, we'd love for you to join him. Anything you want to talk about sports-wise here on the Tuesday Drive. The Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. And on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. 19 minutes after 4 o'clock here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan with Drew at the controls here in the Wild Business Studio. Uh, something that is going on this evening. Uh, Auburn and South Alabama baseball going on over uh, in Montgomery over at the uh, the home of the Biscuits. That's right. Not at Stanky Field. In Mobile, no. you know one of my one of my favorite venues in the uh, in the area. But another playing at uh, is it Riverwalk? Yes, it's still still Riverwalk. Riverwalk the, uh, Stadium. Yeah, great great venue. And uh, um, you know, hopefully, uh, it looks like the weather's going to hold up. I believe there's a chance of rain for later on this evening, but uh, hopefully they can get the ball game taken care of and uh, and and get it all in this evening. So that should be a good one. You know, I miss the Capital City Classic. With um with, with Auburn and Alabama playing over there at Riverwalk, so I'm I'm glad they're at least playing a game there, giving the Auburn fans there in the uh, Montgomery area an opportunity to see the Tigers. You know what? I I think you could even get to the point where you have you have high quality baseball being played all over the state. If you wanted to invite four teams to Montgomery and have a doubleheader, I think you would have the I think you would oh, maybe have so the too. the uh, the the. You know, there'd be demand from the uh, from the audience, right? You could invite Troy, you could invite South Alabama, UAB, Jacksonville State could all be uh, participating. On top of obviously Auburn and, and Alabama, I think you could do something there that mm-hmm. would really be a you know you, you could you could attract a lot of college baseball fans around the state uh, to to something like that. And that's a gorgeous ballpark, like we've said. You know, it's a place where everybody uh, every, everybody likes to. Uh, it's great. It's a great area. You know, the uh, the place, the stuff to do around the ballpark and the park itself is second to none. Great time to do it too here before you know before the minor league season gets started. You don't have to worry about you know rescheduling games. Absolutely, who's in charge of these things? Should be us, right? I mean, yeah, these, these sorts of things. So. You know, the base. I mean, you could you could let uh, you know just uh, you you could actually what would be great would be to do it like a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and have pretty much get as many of the in-state schools playing um, over a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The Troy AD used to play college baseball, and I will throw that. I'll, I'll run that one up the flagpole and see if we can get, you know, an AD or two on board and, and, and get things moving. I mean, if you can't do double headers, let's do, a, you know, let, let's do at least a game, a game a night for, for either midweek. A, either a game a night or a double header on a Saturday, I think would work, you know, before. Well, once you get into conference, you're in conference. Maybe, right maybe, now. maybe we need to be like opening weekend or something, right? Like something earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. This is, this is, this is how things in our fantasy baseball league get negotiated, by the way, too, <laughs> is we, we, we toss ideas around until we come to an agreement on something that was. It's very, like, oh, that's a good idea. Let's put it up for a vote. Yeah, let's do, yeah. And, and but anyways, it's, uh, uh, no, it's a great night for college baseball. Hopefully folks in the Montgomery area will, uh, will, will go check out 
uh, the uh, the Auburn South Alabama game tonight. Yep, that and uh, let's see, Auburn's getting closer to another sport. Auburn's getting closer to its first scrimmage of the spring, which could be a really interesting one as they've gone in pads and um, you know now working, trying still trying to give everybody as much of an opportunity, especially there at the quarterback spot, uh, giving all five quarterbacks some playing time. Yesterday, um, talking with Brian Matthews and then, you know, reading uh, some comments from from Jason Caldwell and, and some other folks. Interesting day yesterday because there was an opportunity to really see quarterback drills and passing accuracy um, and and you know one of the things that Brian Harson had talked about Eric Keesaw did as well is how they're keeping track of every drill that every quarterback is going through so that they can have you know so they can have everything sort of plotted data and see exactly where everyone stands are they progressing are they being consistent and you know we, we don't know how they've done in all of the practices but uh, it, it sure seems like a couple of guys have uh, have sort of stepped up a little bit, and I know there there are a lot of fans that'll go, oh, when 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 they read or they hear that that T.J. Finley is having a really good spring. Um, you know, let, let's face it, T.J. T.J. had some. Uh, I mean, he had he had some highlights, and then he struggled some when he was forced into the starting role when, when Bo Nix went out with injury for the remainder of the season. Uh, and there were, some, there were some chances for big plays that weren't cashed in a year ago. But let's face it, T.J. Finley is in a completely different situation now than he was a year ago. A year ago, he was trying to battle against the incumbent. Now he's the guy with the most experience. Um, Tex had... Uh, Tex had texted us yesterday a couple of things, and um, one of the things that that he he had said, and, and I thought so too when I I when I saw TJ earlier, and just looking at some of the videos and pictures, TJ looks a little trimmer than he did a year ago. Now he's not going to all of a sudden turn into he's not going to be Cam Newton the athlete out there, but if he is, you know, a little quicker uh, with. Not just with his feet, but with his decision making. He's got. There's no question. He has the arm strength to make some plays. Yeah, I mean, I would caution folks against, you know, keeping a closed mind, right? Like, you know, and, and rendering a verdict already on T.J. Finley. There's no question he needs to improve no from doubt. the quarterback you saw the second half of the season in 2021. The question is, I guess the questions are, one, how much better does he need to get versus the rest of his team and the play calling and some of the things that he can't control? How much better does TJ Finley individually need to get? And two, uh, you know, I guess the, you know, is, is he going to have that opportunity to, to, you know, to, to get better and hold on to the starting job? Can he hold off the competition? Because I think it's, uh, and, and yeah, and I guess also how much better is he going to actually get? Because right. that's what, something. Well, I don't know what his ceiling is. I would, I would imagine the coaches have a better idea of that. This is a great opportunity for him. I don't know that he'll, he'll have a better opportunity than right now with, uh, with Zach Calzada. Limited sum. And and TJ having more experience than the rest of the guys out there. If you know if he doesn't grab it right now, 
you know, he, he may never have that opportunity, but I, I thought it was interesting that, that he was, was very accurate yesterday. And the other guy that got a lot of praise was Robbie Ashford. Now that is, there's no question. There is the wild card in, in the quarterback race. Well, one more thing about TJ though. I mean, we, we've seen quarterbacks get better because they get experience and they get older and it's just sort of a natural progression of a college football. I mean, a lot of quarterbacks that were thrown into action in their first year or their second year and needed to improve from that quarterback. Now that's not to say it's okay if a guy struggles because he'll automatically get better no, just from no, the that's experience. Not. That's not the way it works, but we have seen quarterbacks benefit from. We have, uh, you know, what, what we don't know is, I mean, TJ was not much more than a 50% passer in high school and hasn't been that much more than a 50% completion passer in two years in college. Is that because of, you know, is, is how much, how much room for improvement is there in his accuracy or, or is, you know, is the die cast, right? right? As far as is that, is that the kind of quarterback? No, and if it is, if, if he can't get the completion percentage, uh, considerably north of 50%, I can't imagine Brian Harson views him as an option long term. You know, that's not a guy that'll hold on to the job all season long or even win the starting job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I if, agree. You know, he won't, won't hold on to his starting job this offseason if that's the kind of quarterback he's going to be. Calzada is the guy. You know, even though he's dealing with the injury, Calzada's the guy it feels like was brought in to win the job. Why Rob, was Robbie Ashford brought Robbie in? Robbie Ashford's a fascinating piece, though, he isn't really he? I mean, is. I mean, Calzada, just because it seemed like Calzada was looking for, he, he finished last season as a starter. I guess that's the difference between if, if Ashford was somebody who had finished last season as the starting quarterback wherever he was, you'd say Robbie Ashford's coming in with eyes on a starting job. Zach Calzada... You know, it, he, I think based on the experience he got last year, it's fair to assume. I have no idea what Robbie Ashford is. It's fascinating to hear that he's playing well. It is. It is. Uh, we'll talk with Barrett Sully. Uh, we'll maybe get some spring football in amongst the, the basketball. And I'm sure we'll talk a little baseball as well. Um, so stick with us. We're a quarter of the way done here on the Tuesday Drive. Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. Bill and Dan here in the Wild Business Studio. Drew at the controls, and we'll head to the Kia of Auburn hotline. Welcome in our regular Tuesday afternoon guest here in the uh, first hour. 
And that, of course, is Barrett Salee from CBSSports.com and Sirius XM. Barrett, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm good. I, uh, <laughs> I would imagine it was a pretty miserable Monday uh, for Auburn fans out there after what happened in Greenville. That was, uh, not, not, that was not what I expected. In round two. Well, no, I sure wasn't expecting an 18-point loss. I mean, if they, if they did lose, uh, you know, we were saying yesterday, it probably shouldn't be a shock when you look back over the last 11 games, they're six and five. And, uh, quite a few teams had, uh, had really forced the issue against Auburn, just didn't see the struggles from Jabari and Walker in the same game coming either. But they were a team that hadn't been trounced in the regular no. season. Well, no, I mean, they hadn't was lost the, by no. double digits. I mean, they hadn't lost by, you know, their, their worst loss was the, the double overtime six-point loss. Well, you, had, you, had the, you had the A&M game in, in the postseason, right. but, I mean, you're right. The two worst losses were the last two, not just because they were two that eliminated Auburn from uh, tournaments, but also because those were the least competitive uh, losses mm-hmm. uh, for right. Auburn uh, all season long. Yeah, and and really, what was remarkable about that Miami game is, I mean, I don't know how many like, tip-ins and layups Auburn missed, but it was like there was a dang cap on that 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 basket. I mean, it was unreal how difficult it was for Jabari and for Walker Kessler in the limited time that he was in um, to get putbacks to go in, and and that's not that's not informal. Uh, that's kind of how Auburn operates. You know, that's the offensive boards, crashing the glass, things like that. So, um, you know, it was disappointing. There's no doubt. Um, and, you know, I think Jabari Smith, uh, you know, yeah, he struggled. I don't necessarily um, know if he was prepared to handle life without Walker. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, it was, it was disappointing. It was, you know, not, it's hard to win a national championship, but, I don't know many people that thought that uh, that Auburn would be out before the end of the weekend, and you know I think they blew an, a, an opportunity, obviously, because you know an 11 seed waiting for them in the Sweet 16 mm-hmm. um, is uh, I wouldn't say it's an easy path, but it's an easier path than a lot of other teams had. No, I mean with the opportunity uh, to to face a 15, a 10, and 11, Bob. Of course, they didn't get past the 10, but you're right, Barrett. Opportunities like that uh, aren't going to come along every year. No, they're not. They're not. And, you know, with, with a team like Auburn that was number one in the country for, for the first time in program history, I mean, you couldn't have set it up any better for, for Auburn to, to get back to the Final Four. And, and uh, it was just a, it was a bad shooting night. Um, you know, I think Miami's game, uh, Miami's game plan was, was smart. Go right at Kessler, you know, force, force them to, to, uh, to get into foul trouble and then see how Bruce reacted and and, um, you know, Bruce did what he did. I, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, I would have put Walker in <laughs> a lot more in the second half and, you know, rolled the dice. If he fouled out, he fouled out, whatever. But uh, it's just not the way it went. Right. And now it's a Miami team that even though they were pretty mortal during the regular season, I mean, they, they, they look like a team that nobody wants to play at the moment. Just your thoughts in general on the first four days of the tournament, any teams that really impressed you, any performances that really surprised you, good or bad? Um, you know, LSU, um, I was surprised they were competitive. <laughs> I thought they would collapse just because of all uh, the drama that they had. I was uh, pleasantly surprised with Arkansas. I was extremely disappointed with the way Tennessee looked. I, I had Tennessee in the Final Four. Obviously, that was not... Uh, in the cards, I, I thought that they'd still ride that hot streak. It didn't happen. 
Um, surprised, uh, surprised with Kentucky, not disappointed because I am fully okay with Kentucky losing basketball games when they think they're going to win. But um, surprised that it went like that. There's no doubt, and, and obviously St. Peter's doing what, what they've done is is pretty remarkable. And then North Carolina, right? Like North Carolina beating Baylor. Hey, they've uh, been very know, impressive. You're you're they, right. They've been so good, and maybe we didn't appreciate that enough when they beat Duke. Uh, in, in Coach K's final game at Cameron um, because all the, the spotlight was on Duke and Coach K. Uh, but maybe we just kind of didn't, didn't appreciate and didn't realize how, how much better uh, UNC got. Man, R.J. Daniels, that was, that was insane. Hey, um, R.J. Davis, I should say. That was, that was insane. Shout out to Jeff Lebo. Right? How about how about our how about our buddy Jeff Lebo on the North Carolina bench helping get that team to the uh, to the Sweet Sixteen? Former Auburn men's basketball coach. All right, Barrett. So uh, uh, we we can shift off the tournament a little bit, and we, we'll see, Bill. Which of the two departures from Atlanta in the last week would you like to would you like to lead with? We have not we have not talked no, about. We the, haven't talked have, since Freddie has been a Dodger, and nor nor Matt Ryan. Uh, so much going on yesterday. We didn't, as well. we didn't talk about Matt Ryan at all. So let's start there, as a matter of fact. Matt Ryan traded to the Indianapolis Colts after a career where he was one of the great Atlanta Falcons of all time. Uh, he will not finish his career, or at least he won't, he won't play his entire career as a Falcon. And now there's a, uh, now there's a, the, the question of, uh, of, of where the Falcons go. I know they've, they've signed Mariota, but, mm-hmm. you know, sort of long-term, is it Mariota? Is it somebody in the draft? Is it something else? Barrett, your thoughts on the uh, on the quarterback picture uh, for your beloved Atlanta Falcons? Well, whatever happens, I'm sure the Falcons will find a way to screw it, to make it uh, awful and screw it up. <laughs> like, that's just what they do. Um, $30 million in dead money, um alienating your franchise quarterback by going after this John Watson and then settling for a third round pick, uh, for, for, for Ryan. I mean, it's, uh, Arthur Blank is, I I know folks tend to think that he is great. He is comparable to the Smith family with how he operates that franchise. And anybody inside that organization that will, will speak honestly, will say the same thing. Um, you know, so I, I tear the whole thing down. Um, and hopefully they're they're dumb enough to stumble into the right draft pick because they'll try to outthink the room and probably screw that up. So, um, but yeah, I mean Mar- Mariota, I guess for now, um, are they going to tank for uh, for Bryce Young? I, that might be part of it. But here's the thing with the Falcons: they'll start one in ten and then win six straight and draft in the high t- a low team because that's the worst possible scenario, and they always find a way. Uh, to, to to have the worst possible scenario fall into their lap. So uh, I'm jaded beyond belief, and it's a pretty remarkable the difference between how the Falcons operate and how the Braves operate because the Falcons are just a mess. Do you think teams will look at Bryce Young as a franchise savior that's worth punting an entire season for? I mean, that that's a, a curious thought. We've, we've seen it with some other quarterbacks that, you know, their their draft stock sort of, you know, it's a storyline all season long during the NFL year. Do you think Bryce Young's that kind of player? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I mean, he won the Heisman behind an awful offensive line. You know, so what can he do behind a halfway decent offensive line? Now, now granted, that probably won't happen in Atlanta because Atlanta's offensive line's been terrible for a decade. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, a lot of uh, teams will look at Bryce and say, yeah, he's the he's the, the next big thing, especially – 
after, you know, this year where there's really not, you know, a ton of, of hype around this quarterback. I know Malik Willis was, was, uh, receiving the buzz today, but, uh, you know, in, in comparison to other draft classes, this is not, this is not where, uh, others rank. So, uh, yeah, tanking for Bryce Young, I would imagine that does become a storyline. Uh, all right, so so we'll uh, we'll switch to the other franchise uh, who I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you uh, knows a lot more about uh, um, how to take care of business. That being the Braves, <laughs> um, sad sad to, uh, to to see Freddie gone. We haven't talked to you since he signed the deal with the, with the Dodgers. You you probably would have felt a little better if he wound up in the American League, wouldn't you? Yeah, um, I, uh, this is how how much things have changed. I would have much rather been a Yankee than a Dodger. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah, uh, you know that's how how the perception of of, uh, of Braves fans has changed over the last two decades. But I mean, uh, look, I, I think, and you you kind of saw this in the Buster Only piece uh, last week. Uh, Freddie royally botched it. His rep- representation totally botched this. They thought they had levers that they didn't have. Uh, he did not take Chipper Jones' advice. Um, Chipper essentially said, I told you so, without saying I told you so in that story. And, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be difficult for Freddie because he is in a place where he doesn't want to be. Now, being at home, being around, you know, family and friends, which is important to him, especially considering, you know, he, he lost his mom at a young age. Having his kids around, you know, family members is going to be helpful. So there are, there are certain are positives. I, I don't think the money really is that big of a deal to him. Um, you know, after taxes, he's making essentially the same thing the Braves would have paid him. Um, so he, did, he, he botched it. It's, it sucks for him. Um, but I think Alex Anthopoulos did the right thing by cutting bait and saying, look, dude, like it's spring training. We can't do this. Like you have to have uh, a decision now. And what Alex Anthopoulos did with Matt Olson is just, I mean, the dude's a ninja. I mean, he just swa- swa- swoops on in and, and handles business quickly. And so, um, you know, I hate it for Freddie. I hate it for us. I wish he was here forever. Um, but, you know, he made his decision, to, you know, on how this whole thing was going to go down. Um, it was the wrong decision uh, because I do believe he still wants to be here. Um, but that's his fault. That's his problem, and he has to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Freeman wanted a better offer than, what was it, 130 or something? The, the one that went into the offseason, the reported offer that the Braves had made uh, before th- this free agency period started. You know, I, I would believe that Freeman probably ultimately wanted to stay in Atlanta but didn't want to stay for what he believed to be considerably less than market value. And what worked out for the Braves is uh, that they ended up getting a great first baseman to take what a lot of people would say is less than he would get if he were a free agent on the open market two years from now in Matt Olson. They got someone who liked to, you know, wanted to stay in the Atlanta organization enough that he would leave money on the table, uh, you know, more or less, leave some money on the table to stay in Atlanta. Freeman wasn't willing to do that and took, you know, and even still, he got a bigger offer than he would have gotten had he signed with the Braves, you know, back in, you know, in, in July or, or October. You know, what I wonder, what I wonder, Barrett, is, is how I mean, how does how does Alex convince Acuna, Albies, and Olson? I'm not Matt. I, I I can see the fact that you know that that's home and everything for him. It's an opportunity for him to come home. But he has three young stars signed for long term deals at much less than they could have gotten. 
I have no idea how he does it. Like, that's what I say. He's a ninja. I have no idea what he does to, to, to make this. Three club-friendly deals with three mm-hmm. of the top 20, um, you know, WRC-plus players in the in the league. That's uh, I don't know what he says to, to make this happen. <laughs> I do think with Matt Olson, it was one of those things where um, I wouldn't say he got caught up in, in the drama of it all, but, I mean, you read that article, and the dude that made $6.7 million throughout his entire career, and – Suddenly he gets dropped in with a, you know, uh, a mid $100,000 deal. I mean, a $100 million deal. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be attractive. So I think in the case of Matt Olson, it was, it was Alex Antopoulos saying, dude, we, we love you. We want you here. You, your career hasn't been as long as Freddie's, but we feel like you can be just like him. We're going to go ahead and lock you up. And, you know, stability is important, you know, for a lot of guys. And I think for Matt Olson, you know, being a part of you guy, just buying a house in Atlanta last year, you know, certainly a hometown discount of sorts. But, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know what Alex says to, to these stars to, to keep them around and, and want them to take and get them to take club-friendly deals. But, I mean, whatever he's doing, it's working. It seems like the loser in the Olsen-Freeman deal is, you know, you look around baseball at the teams that wanted one of those two guys to join their team in the offseason as a first baseman. The teams that wanted Olsen or Freeman and came away without either of them. There are a couple of teams in the American League East that could be described that way that went into this offseason looking for a first baseman like Matt Olsen or well, Freddie Freeman didn't get either one of them. Who yeah, who's who's left when the when the music stops, who's left empty? Because the Yankees sign Rizzo, they deal. Uh Luke Voigt goes to the Padres. Seems like the Yankees uh, wanted to upgrade from Rizzo. I know, though, I know, right? but I mean, I mean but but they but they they got Satisfied enough that they could deal Luke Voigt after that. So Boston yeah. went out and got Trevor Story because they couldn't, you know, yeah. spend that money on a corner infielder. So I, mean, I, yeah, I think I think I think the Rays um, really really uh, felt yeah, you're like right. they needed that kind of, of mm-hmm. player, uh, whether it be first base or not. They needed somebody right. like Freddie. Um, they were willing to spend for the first time. They were really really ready to yeah. invest big in that in that huge free agent. Yeah, and the Blue Jays were too. Um, They've you know, done it. Part though. of that was, yeah, they had done it, and I think that was more like uh, keeping up with the Joneses sort of thing. Like, oh God, the Red Sox and Yankees are doing this, and the Rays are still the Rays. I mean, the Tampa's got to. It was going. It was going to take something. a. It was going to take a Pujols contract to get Freddie Freeman to Toronto. Though deep down, yeah, I think that and, I mean they would have had to go way bigger Canadian. than the Dodgers offer. Yeah, and he's Canadian and everything. He's got some relatives there, but I mean. That's that's really the only connection there is that his his parents were from there and he played for them in the World Baseball Classic. I mean, I I don't I don't really think there's any other connection at that point. So, but yeah, you're right. I mean, Matt Olson was going to get dealt. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And and the fact that um, that some of those teams didn't get either one of those guys, and that the you know the A's were smart enough to wait the Braves out. Uh, on the Freddie Freeman stuff to maximize what they got in return. I mean, it, it worked out well for Oakland. All right. So now to the with the Braves, what are uh, what are your biggest concerns? What are the biggest question marks? Fifth starter. Although I I don't necessarily know how big of an issue that is, considering you know how I think the early part of the season is going to go from a pitching standpoint. Um, I. I I don't really have one. I guess the one, the the thing that bothers me maybe is that we don't have 
speed outside of Ronald. Mm-hmm. But I mean, is it that? I mean, I get and Ozzy, you know, Ozzy. So I mean, it's just it's it's hard to find um, you know something to, to be upset about. Here's the thing that's interesting. Um, you know, the Dodgers have the best lineup of all time. I think with Kenley Jansen, the Braves might have the best bullpen of all time. But I think what you might see is that, um, you know, you have a lot of starters only go three and four innings. So having a bullpen like the Braves is going to be huge early in the season because, you know, you, you see innings limitations normally. Uh, with the short spring training, you're going to see innings limitation in a big, big way. Mm-hmm. So having the the bullpen that the Braves have is going to be huge, and I don't think that's getting recognized enough. Yeah, I didn't see the Kenley Jansen um, move. That one that one caught me by surprise. Yeah, what what a great addition that is. Man. <laughs> like, what? Okay, sure. Fine. Love it. Let's go. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Barrett, man, we're, we're, we're running short on time. We didn't even get into football, but, hey, spring practice is just, just starting to get going. Scrimmages, I mean, I know some places are starting to wind down, but it, at, at the schools that, that we care about, I mean, it's just starting to get going, and we'll hear more about scrimmages and things like that and starting to get news. So, I mean, there's so many different things going on. Uh, before we run out of time, let everybody know what you've got going and where they can find it. Yeah, I got uh, spring previews up. We had Oklahoma up yesterday, USC today, LSU tomorrow. Um, we also have uh, Dennis had, Dodd has some news on uh, on the legal front, so you can check that out. And then uh, there'll be some spring game stuff this weekend. I believe there's a couple pretty big ones. So I mm-hmm. uh, got everything covered, there's no doubt. Good deal, man. Uh, appreciate it. Always enjoy spending a little time with you. All right, thanks, guys. All right, take care. See you, Barrett. Sully joining us, as he does Tuesdays at around 4.30. We appreciate him uh, spending a little time with us. We need to get to our final break of hour number one. Love for you to join in on the Kia of Auburn hotline as we continue here on the Tuesday Drive. Now, more of The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. A couple of minutes left here in hour number one of the drive. Our thanks to Barrett Selly for joining us. Again, uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk with Jake Crane at the bottom of hour number two. We're running short on time, but let's check in with Wade from Atlanta. Hey, Wade. Hey, Bill and Dan. Long time listener. Not very often caller. I, uh, <laughs> I was listening to the show in podcast form yesterday, and you had some people committing absolute blasphemy on the show, talking about Bruce Pearl not being a great coach or being out coached in the Miami game. And boy, I just, bless your hearts. All the people, you got to understand basketball a little better than that. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, you know, I, I kind of view, I view Auburn basketball um, this way. And this is to paraphrase the great late George will Auburn basketball is like church. Many people understand, many people attend, but few understand. I agree. Um, more, more people. And it's great that so many people do attend now. Well, and, and I would add to that that, I mean, I mean, I, I, I hate to cut weight off. I know we got the music playing here, but I mean, it's, it's, I think it, it takes nothing away from Bruce Pearl to say Jim Laranega coached a, a great game. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't, it's, I don't routinely it's say March. Got, it's yeah. the tournament. I mean, there's, there's some great, they're Hall of Fame coaches that, 
that lose. You know, only one guy is going to come yeah. out of this thing unbeaten. Don't take anything away from the job that the Miami coaches did, but at the same time, yeah, you remember, remember uh, pump, pump the brakes a little bit before you go overboard on the criticism of Auburn for coming up short in the tournament. Wade, we're, we're at our top of the hour break. If you want to continue, that's fine. We'll be right back after our top of the hour break with hour number two here on the Tuesday Drive. W294AR Auburn, WGCCHD3 Waverly, Auburn Opelika's sports leader, ESPN 1067, a broadcast service of Auburn Network Incorporated. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. And on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two on the Tuesday Drive. Bill, Dan, Drew, the regular crew here in the Wow Business Studio. That's right. You can get two months free on super fast business internet when you switch to Wow. Details at switchtowowbusiness.com. Hour number two of the Drive brought to you by the good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care, with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. And our, and uh, we welcome your calls, questions, comments on the Kia of Auburn hotline, Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And the uh, number to get you through is 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, the Drive Text Box, presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. Text 334-564-1840 with your question or comment. Southeastern Industrial Contractors, an Alabama-based firm now offering for great paying Skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more about our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. And we were on the Kia of Auburn Hotline when we ran out of time there at the end of hour number one, talking with Wade, and I think Wade's still with us. Hey, Wade. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So when you think about basketball these days, both in the pros and in college, it really is all about hitting the three and defending. You know, the three and D. You keep hearing three and D. And when you look at the SEC, people were talking about, oh, my gosh, maybe the SEC wasn't as powerful as we thought. But the SEC, the teams all go out to try to beat the other SEC teams, right? We're out here trying to win conference championships. And so what is it that we had in the SEC this year? Ferocious defense. And we really didn't have a whole bunch of teams that were excellent from the three-point line. And they've been running this graphic. Um, I can't, They may have done it during the SEC tournament, but I've seen it on multiple occasions. That the last five national champions all shot 38% or better from the three-point line. And when you get to be into March Madness, you've really got to be able to stroke the three like professionals, right? Well, yeah, that and 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 you really need good guard play. I mean, it's it's a bonus. It's a bonus when you have um, a, a great inside game, but uh, you're more likely to make a deep run with great guard play, and that usually involves being able to to hit threes. Right, and see, like if you look at the last five games, 
this is a little stat that I pulled together. When Kentucky lost, they shot 26% from three. When Alabama lost, they shot 33% from three. Tennessee shot 11%. Auburn shot 19%. And Arkansas, even though they won, they shot 19% against a 12 seed. Right? Mm-hmm. If they shoot 19% in this next game, they're going to be out just like the rest of us. That's right. And, uh, and so, you know, it's not a situation, I don't think, that, that demonstrates how weak our conference was. I think it's just, it's just that our conference coaches knew what was coming in terms of all the defense that was being played in the league, and they wanted to marshal up to be able to win that championship. Um, and, you know, I, I just I, – when, when you talk about Bruce Pearl, he is really well-respected among coaches for his innovations. I mean, he was one of the architects of the original 3-and-D style of basketball. And he um, does tremendous work with inbounds plays and out of, you know, out-of-bounds plays. And, and it's just – we're so lucky to have him at our school – and, uh, and it's, I don't know, when a person says no, I, I don't think, coach, see, that's the thing, though. I, I don't think it's a slight against Bruce Pearl to say that in this particular game, Jim Laranega won the matchup, right? Like, Jim Laranega did a great job. I thought Miami had a perfect plan to attack this Auburn team on offense and defense. I would, I would caution people about, you know, taking the Clemson game from a couple of years ago in the NCAA tournament or this game from Sunday night and using those to say, here are the problems with Bruce Pearl as a coach, or this is why it'll never work. But I mean, it's you know, it, it's it, all the credit to Jim Laranega for for what Miami was able to cook up on Sunday. Because I don't know how many people, given the option, uh, who would take Miami's roster over Auburn's, right. and yet the result was what the result was. Right. And see, so you sit there and like after the game, Bruce, they were asked Bruce what did they think happened, and he said, "I just have no idea." Bruce Pearl totally knows what happened in that game, right? He just didn't want to throw his players under the bus like Nate Oates does at Alabama, right? He I think, Yeah, I think there's a lot to that. And there may be a couple of things he hasn't figured out yet, but that doesn't mean that he won't. Right, and, and, and anything, any answer in that question can also sound like, you know, like you said, Wade, it can sound like trying to bury your players and, and, and shovel the, you know, the blame onto them, or it can sound like excuse making, which isn't something Bruce Pearl likes to do very often. Great, great stuff from Wade. Appreciate the phone call. You know, I thought there yeah, was some, uh, some, some really interesting stuff. Thanks for holding on. Yeah, look forward to hearing from you again, Wade. 334-321-1390. Something else Wade mentioned, you know, people love to do the conference superiority thing. They love to right. take the postseason in football. They love to look at the bowl season, the records, you know, for each conference in bowl games and say, oh, well, these uh, this conference is the best because look what it's doing in the bowl season this year, or this conference is the best because look at what its teams are doing in the NCAA tournament. You know, that that's a, that's a sample size nightmare, right, to sort of draw conclusions about which conference is the best because... Oh, it is. I mean, it, it's... It is a completely new season. It is amazing. I was thinking about that a while ago while we were talking with Barrett. I mean, just about how some teams, you just feel, wow, they're playing so well, they're just peaking. And, yes, that does happen sometimes. But other times, teams that lose and may not look that good in their last game all of a sudden just can sort of restart, you know, kick and restart and play so well. One other thought, though, before we get back to the phones, we've got a full bank of calls. Uh, remember, remember, Bruce Pearl did say he thought about making some changes and probably should have, talking about starting Jalen there in the second half. So, I mean, yeah, there, there, there are a lot of things, you know, you, that I guarantee you will be gone over 
very uh, very thoroughly looking back at that game. 334-321-1390, back to the Kia of Auburn hotline. And Terry is up first. Hey, Terry. Hey, guys. Hey, uh, how are y'all? Doing fine. Great. Um, guys, do y'all worry? That, I heard you talking a little bit about spring, but do y'all worry that Brian Harson is starting to fall into the trap that Gus Malzahn fell into, that he's more in love with what he wants than what he needs? Yeah, because I say that no. because... I don't no, think like Demetrius Davis has got much of a shot. Uh, no, I, well, if Demetrius Davis, just from just from the the people that have watched this spring, they say he's the least accurate quarterback that they've seen out there. If he's the least accurate quarterback that has been out there this spring, then his shot is going to continue to decrease. Although he continues during you know during everything that the media has seen so far, he's been the second guy up taking snaps, so he's getting his chance. But if he doesn't produce when he gets his chance, then those chances are going to diminish. Yes, I see your point there, Bill, and it's, it's a good and it's a good one. But Nick Marshall wasn't very accurate either, and he's the only quarterback that really won under Gus Malzahn. I know Jared Stenham won it in seventeen. I realize that, and I, and, but Nick Marshall was way more exciting and way more abil- had more ability to take a negative and make it to a positive than Jared Stenham did. That's true. Now, now Saturday, not Saturday, but Friday. Friday is going to be critical for these guys. It's the first scrimmage. Uh, now, if if D. Davis gets out there and is dynamic and and scores more, and his team scores more than than the other quarterbacks, I would think that that will overcome what's been going on at least to our to our understanding here in practice. But but no, Brian Harson. I do not see Brian Harson as someone who had made up his mind and no matter what isn't going to change it. He's had. He's had he's had incumbent quarterbacks beaten out by other guys at Boise, and and generally his quarterbacks have played pretty well. I I don't see any track record of him not being able to assess what's going on with quarterbacks uh, as he gets ready for a season. And so I just worry that this was he wants Zach Calzada to win the job no matter what, and that may be I don't know, but I just don't think Zach Calzada is very good. I, I don't, and I, I know I think he's living his life while beating Alabama. And trust me, that's not a bad thing. But you guys, you guys follow what I'm saying. He hasn't been very good otherwise. And what makes you think he's going to be very good? I mean, if he is, who's he, who in the world is he going to throw it to? Uh, I that I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, but using that logic, what has D. Davis ever done that makes you think he can win as a college football quarterback? Because he hasn't had a chance. Dan. Sure, but Zach Calzada's played. Right, and Zach Calzada's won football games as a quarterback. Like I, I don't know. Like I think it's a it's a dangerous game to say. Well, Nick Marshall won ten years ago, so the Auburn quarterback has to be a scrambler because that no, was a different that was a different era of football. That was a different coaching staff. I mean, wh- why why single out Nick Marshall in that situation? Why doesn't Auburn need a quarterback like Jason Campbell? He won all his games in two thousand four. I mean, wh- what's what's so special? What's what's so significant about Nick Marshall? I just it doesn't seem like. Doesn't seem like this is much of a fit as far as D. Davis and the Brian Harson offense. It's hard to find a quarterback like D. Davis that has uh, succeeded for Brian Harson in the past. Doesn't seem like that's the kind of quarterback he's looking for. Somebody uh, bigger. He, wants, somebody he more, wants somebody with a big arm. Yeah, somebody bigger, somebody more accurate, somebody who throws the ball downfield seems to be what he's looking for. And maybe D. Davis is the most talented quarterback in the room and he's going to be overlooked because he's not a good fit. Maybe he's not the most talented quarterback in the room, and that's why he's going to be passed over. But it doesn't seem like it's going to be D. Davis. Now, Dan, let me ask you this. How comfortable are you with a guy with a big arm standing back there with an offensive line who's going to get him killed? 
Well, it depends on who it is. Uh, I, I don't know how. I don't know how. I think if your if your offensive line is going to get your quarterback killed, you're not going to be very good no matter what. The I mean, offense. The, the offensive line in 2013 was excellent. I mean, make no mistake, Nick Marshall wasn't running around behind a patchwork offensive line in 2013. That was one of the best rushing offenses in the history of college football. To pretend that Nick Marshall succeeded because he was running around for, he was running for his life behind a bad offensive line is absolutely like that. That is a, a, a mischaracterization of the 2013 season. And, 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 and you, and, and you will find numbers that would tell you that Auburn was a better pass-blocking team than Alabama was last year. The offensive line was, was, was not ranked terribly as far as, as pass protection. Uh, and I don't know that they're all a bunch of stiffs that can't move around. I think Zach Calzada is a guy that can move. The wild card, as we were saying a while ago, is Robbie Ashford. I mean, I still haven't seen Holden Gurner yet. Um, but Robbie Ashford is, is an athlete who uh, wowed a lot of the people that watched a little bit of the uh, of the practice yesterday with his with his arm ability. Terry's well. Terry's not the only person I've heard suggest that. Well, if you have if if your offensive line is subpar and your receivers are subpar, just throw a scrambling quarterback in and that'll fix everything. No, it won't. Right, like if you if you have a if your offensive line is subpar and your receivers are subpar, the ship is sinking. And you can put Michael Vick. At quarterback, you can put Peyton Manning circa 1997 at quarterback. Doesn't matter what kind of quarterback you got. If the offensive line and the receivers aren't good enough, you're dead. You're dead in the water, and and, and the style of quarterback is immaterial at that point. Hey, guys, y'all take care. Appreciate, Appreciate it, Terry. Yeah, good stuff, Terry. 12 minutes after 5 o'clock as we head back to the Kia of Auburn hotline. Dan. And Dan's up next. Hey, Dan. Hey, guys. Uh, I was going to talk a little bit about, uh, about football. Um, you know, one thing that I noticed in, in the game, uh, you know, Miami, I, I guess their starting lineup is four guards and one forward. forward. Uh-huh. And whenever we would switch, Walker Kessler would get put on a smaller guy mm-hmm. that we were more concerned about them shooting threes than anything. And, of course, as athletic as Walker Kessler is, if a guard is – you know, guard or the one guy who was, I guess he's like six six or so on their team that was really good Wong. I mean, that guy was really explosive, and it, Walker couldn't cover him. And, and, you know, there's no way that you can expect your big man to really cover a guy from the three-point line, you know, the way they were doing it. And so then somebody had mentioned maybe we should try a zone or something, and we never went to that. I, don't, I mean, I don't remember really going to that. We pretty much stayed in man the whole time, whereas I mean, maybe they played other teams that they – blew up the zone really bad, and so we thought that that was going to be a bad idea. But, you know, when you go in a game like that and you have what is, seems like a very apparent, you know, front court advantage, you know, you got Walker Kessler, one of the best guys out there, and you got Jamari, who could be the number one pick. We did not abuse them with our guys. It's just they forced us to play their ball, and they're going to play their ball the way, way better than we're ever going to play it. And so I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm never going to be one to, to second guess coaching with Pearl. I love Pearl; he's he's the best. But it, it just seemed like we had to try to find some way to make them pay for playing with with a bunch of small guys against our our bigger, stronger front court, and we didn't. And and the only game of the year that Walker really, you know, was sat on the bench when he it wasn't me. Yeah, it was foul trouble in the first half, but the second half, it's just because he couldn't. The way they were running their offense, he couldn't cover those guys. And I don't know if it was for lack of trying, Dan. I mean, we we looked at it yesterday. I mean, Auburn Auburn shot quite a few two pointers 
Sunday night. A lot of them were off of offensive rebounds, attempts at putbacks. Th- those weren't falling either, right? I mean, Auburn was Auburn was under forty percent from two in the mm-hmm. basketball game. On top of being, you know, right around what twenty five percent from three, nineteen nineteen percent from <laughs> three. I mean, so it's. I mean, they're. they're Maybe if Auburn had been able to convert more in the paint, right? If Auburn had been able to convert more around the basket on some of those shots that didn't go in, that would have caused Miami to make adjustments because Auburn's size would have been giving Miami problems. But when you're not hitting around the basket, I mean, Miami wasn't going to change anything. Everything was working for them. I mean, it was up, it was up to Auburn to be the, 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 the reactive team. And, uh, you know, they, they didn't offer much of a counterpunch. Yeah. I just, I just wonder if maybe we should have tr- kept trying. To, I, mean, I mean, I know we missed a ton of <laughs> layup. I mean, I, I can remember one one play where I think Kessler and Jabari had like three or four tippings each in one play, and we didn't get it. Yeah, that's you where know? Auburn could have taken I mean, their was, first lead. Far be it for yeah. me to second guess yeah. Bruce Pearl because you know I, I think he's, uh, he's he's pushed most of the right buttons all season long. I mean, is, is it more? Is it more Jabari? Is, is it more Jalen Williams? In in the I mean I, I would have liked to have seen more Jalen. I mean Jalen played eighteen minutes in that game. He was maybe the most potent offensive mm-hmm. weapon Auburn had. Should he have played more than eighteen minutes? Do you take some of Jabari's minutes away when he's not playing well and you know and, and struggling to, to find his touch? Is it is it Walker who loses those minutes? I mean it's a Walker a, only played thirteen. Walker only played thirteen. So I mean it's I, I don't know you know, I don't I don't know what sort of suggestion we have, but I mean, Jalen was Jalen was the one big that seemed to be productive around the basket. Maybe you needed more Jalen Williams scoring around the basket to to force Miami to make an adjustment. Sure, but the problem is that you needed Walker Kessler down there around the rim, not having to cover all the guys on the outside. You need him down by I me. Mean, the way they were doing it is they were forcing him all the way to the outside, and then they could drive, and there was there wasn't going to be many shot blockers left. You know, our guards are already kind of, you know, short for the most part. You know, it just gave them like three drives to the lane. You know, I don't know. And you don't want to, and you don't want to, you don't want your best player sitting on the bench in, in, in the biggest game of the year either. So it could be, it's easy for us to say, we'll give some of Jabari's minutes to, to Jalen Williams in that situation. And it's, you know, it's, no, it's interesting. It's, it's interesting. Dan's thoughts of, I mean, it's Bruce, Bruce isn't much of a zone guy. Um, and you know, you, you got, you got to 28 and five doing what, doing what Auburn did. And it just didn't work there. I mean, that's just, that's just the way it goes sometimes. Just, it, it wasn't yeah. the right kind of matchup for what Auburn does well. Yeah. And Pearl even said before, before, I guess the day before or something, he said, it's a really tough matchup because mm-hmm. they, they run some different, different stuff than we've seen all year. Yeah. We're going to have a hard time with it only having one day to prepare for it. So yeah, he was pretty right on with that, but. Anyway, hey, still love the team. They did. They had a great year, and uh, you know, hope we keep keep going with the way we're doing things. Yeah, I mean, if if uh, you know, if I have to be disappointed with twenty eight wins, you know, year after year, I'll I'll survive. We'll get to our first break of hour number two. Right back to more of your phone calls as we continue here on the Tuesday Drive. Let's get back to the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. 
Welcome back into the drive here on this Tuesday afternoon, 20 minutes after 5 o'clock, 334-321-1390, and we have a full bank of calls, and Steve is up next. Hey, Steve. Well, I swore. I swore Monday I wasn't going to talk about basketball. But, <laughs> but Dan just asked the question. Those minutes don't come from anybody but Adam Flanagan and, 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 call, and, um, and uh, 35. Devin, you yeah. Moved, you moved Jabari to the three, and you put Jay Will at the four. Well, that's and just one thing that, that for for one for for whatever reason or or the other, they weren't going to do that. Yeah, twenty eight. They just were not going to do that. You know, they. they I think. I, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Steve. With my point being is, this, they've forgotten more basketball than I know, and it's easy for me to second guess. You know, this is a young team. You probably don't have enough time to teach them your systems, let alone multiple systems or other things off the systems. But at some point, and I've been saying it all season, so I have been consistent. I would have loved to see. Two, I mean, 23, 13, 10, 0, and 12, and play a little 2-3. We actually played some zone in the first half. When we caught up, we played, we popped a 1-3-1 one, one on them, and it, and it slowed them down. You know, when it wasn't working in the first half, part of it's because our guards couldn't get through their guards, so you pop Jabari out of the wing at 6-10, he just lost it over the guy governing to a, a 7-2 uh, Walker Kester. Now, it, that all sounds just so easy. And 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 I'm not complaining because you know Bruce is what Bruce has done for our basketball team is just amazing. But I would have liked to see them try it. Just yeah, I'm, I'm sure in hindsight, I'm sure in hindsight they're wondering about certain. Things. I wondered why against the team that goes four guards and a forward. Actually, it's more like three guards and two forwards. Um, but w- why we didn't see the return of that three guard offense that Auburn ran with Zep. KD and uh, Wendell and Wendell, all those three guys at the same time. Right, twenty eight. Twenty eight minutes for uh, for for uh, Alan Flanagan in the game Sunday night. I think another fifteen for Devin Cambridge. I mean, I suppose if you were gonna if you're gonna rethink the approach, those are minutes that would go either to Jalen Williams to try a bigger lineup or. A or three, all three of the guards. A, th- a three guard, two forward lineup. You know, Auburn was was really. You know, sort of hoping you know Alan Flanagan would round into form and 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 look more like the player he was before the Achilles injury, and it's uh, it's it's disappointing it didn't really happen. Well, and I don't blame the kid. Listen, bless him. God bless him for trying. You know, he probably looked at his team and said, "If I can play healthy, we got a shot." I, I mean, want jail jail time for whoever ran him over. All right, that's well, my. Yeah, and, his, and his best interest might have been to red shirt, sit out, and he probably looked at this and said, "I want to play with this team," but. I just thought after the first half, they were like one of 11 or one of 10 from three. They weren't shooting the three well. Make them shoot over it. Stop the they, – they got a bunch of offensive rebounds on long rebounds and, you know, because we were all over the court spread out. And, you know, listen, like I said, it's easy hindsight, but I just, I just wondered why we didn't go out there and go big on them for at least a couple minutes and see what would happen now. You know, they could have ran right through us and, and stopped it, but what was work, what we were doing was not working. And to continue to do that is the definition of insanity and expect that this is a different result. And especially when when guys aren't shooting well. I mean, it's so funny because Bruce is so brilliant. What did he do in the, the first game of the tournament? The first play, he sets up KD to get a, a bunny. So he sees the ball go in the basket. And, and, and I'm like, that's just great coaching because – he was 0 for 15 the game before. He's 1 for 1 today. Here we go. 
it, it, I don't know. It just I wasn't even going to talk about basketball, but when you said <laughs> that, where's those minutes? I just like, ah. But, you know, hey, overall, you said we were going to win as many games as we were going to do, be regular season champions, and, 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 and have a fun, exciting season. I'll take it every year. Just it's that woulda, coulda. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, what could, what could have happened? You know. So, but that's just my thoughts on it. Appreciate the call. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. And Barry, isn't it? Did we lose Barry? No, he's still there. Hey, hey, Barry. Hey, how's it going? Thanks Pretty good. For my call. Uh, yeah, I couldn't call yesterday. I just wasn't ready to talk about it. Still so disappointed in the loss uh, Sunday. Um, but, you know, glad you guys are still talking about it because I really wanted to comment that my biggest frustration, and I love Bruce just like all the other callers, Bruce Pearl has been just an absolute incredible asset to to not only the basketball program, to Auburn University. Um, just fantastic and uh, just cl- so glad that he's here. But what frustrates me the most is that he obviously coaches defense a lot. Mm-hmm. Big defensive coach. You're right. He, he make you know he does make sure that if you're going to play for him, you're going to play intense defense. And there's no doubt that he coaches the heck out of defenses. And and you, there's just no way those players all come in with those skills because everybody plays a very intense defense for him. Uh, and what frustrates me is that with the talent that we had this year, uh, that he doesn't seem to coach offense. And I, I want to say it all, and I know that's not true. But he doesn't really um, require any particular offensive scheme, and he he didn't leverage the talent that we had, uh, mostly in Kessler. Obviously, Jabari's a natural talent; was able to just do amazing things uh, naturally. But with the size that we had with Kessler, and not altering our offensive game to leverage that, I think he was the tallest guy in the Southeastern Conference, and we never leveraged our game or changed our game to. Um, leverage the fact that he had the size he did, the advantage that he did, uh, in some type of post-up game or working it down to him uh, in two-foot shots. It just never happened. It's just so frustrating with as much thought that, that Bruce puts into defense that he lets them shoot. And I know that's his, you know, one of the reasons he's able to recruit like he does. But it's just so frustrating that we didn't leverage the size that we had uh, with Kessler offensively. And I've got one other thing, but I, I want to hear y'all's comment on that. No, I think, I mean, the the freedom that Bruce Pearl provides his offenses is often talked about as a great thing, and it does help him get some players to come play for him who maybe don't want to play in a more rigid system, you know, you know, where, where, they're, where they're not able to make reads and sort of, uh, you know, play off the play off the ball and off the defense. At times, that can be frustrating, too. Right, you know, and, and I think shot selection, right. shot selection when the team isn't playing well is often, you know, something that we want to complain about. But then you'll see the team play well despite questionable shot selection, and you, and you wonder how critical you can be. But I don't disagree too much with anything Barry said. No, I mean let, let's uh, let, let's face it. Auburn's offense through the years has uh, uh, come mostly from defense. Uh, you know, when when you hear people go settle down, run your half court, I'm like. Okay, and what is that? Because there's there's generally not. I mean, Bruce is great at some out of bounds. I mean, he is great with some out of bounds plays. Um, and uh, but but half court offense has never been a strength, and that's generally where you're going to see. You know, if you're going to really run a, a post driven offense where you're uh, getting it in and and working on 
post-ups and, and moves down around the basket. That's, that's just not been the thing. I'm, I'm sure that if you continue to have players of that size and ability, you, you'll want to develop that more. But, uh, you know, it's sort of, sort of hard also to expect um, a, a coach to, to change everything he's been doing because he has players a little different. Because it still wasn't like this team was terrible out on the run when they got rebounds and were able to go. Some great stuff, though. Great points. Appreciate the call, Barry. We need to get to our bottom of the hour break. Jake Crane joins us when we come back for the final half hour here on the Tuesday Drive. With Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com and on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502 or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Tuesday afternoon. 27 minutes away from 5 o'clock. Bill and Dan here in the Wow Business Studio with Drew at the controls. And we'll head to the Kia of Auburn Hotline. Welcome in our regular Tuesday afternoon second hour guest. And that, of course, is Jake Crane of Crane & Company. Jake, how you doing, man? Doing good, guys. Appreciate you all having me back. Yeah, well, uh, we, we we started off as if we were going to move into other directions but we uh still keep coming back to the to the sunday matchup there in uh in in greenville south carolina a uh, uh a, a tough one to swallow for auburn fans yeah you know it's it's something you go back and look at the game you got to tip your hat to miami uh miami didn't come in scared they outplayed auburn and, and people say oh well you know, Jabari and Walker shot three for 22. Well, Miami had a lot to do with that. Uh, this Auburn team, and, and you know, again, it was something where you kind of hoped they could reset after there toward the end of the year. Uh, weren't able to shoot the ball very well. Walker Kessler was ineffective after getting two quick fouls. And, you know, a tough end to a really good year. You know, they accomplished some great things, and it kind of shows you where the Auburn program is now and what you expect in March. But, you know, you got a guy like a Javari Smith. You don't know when you're going to get another one. I say that, and then all of a sudden the Trey Orr kid decommits from LSU, who could be a top three, top four, top five pick uh, two years from now. So it's a, it's a tough end, and I think the roster may look a little bit different next year. Oh, I think it could look uh, very different. I mean, you look around now, LSU's um, three signees, all of whom, if I'm not mistaken, are five stars, have decommitted. Florida just had a... Uh, it's either hopefully a four-star or five-star decommit hopefully, today. Hopefully LSU kept the receipt, right, Jake? Yeah, well, you know, with the way it's going down there, they may, may want to burn the receipt. Yeah, you know, and and we we talked, and we'll we'll discuss. We'll get back to Auburn shortly. But we mentioned yesterday there were some folks that seemed surprised that a coach of Matt McMahon's caliber would want to 
uh, come to LSU in the you know with with so much still up in the air uh, regarding what's going to happen. But it seems like the NCAA. I mean, maybe they'll still try to take LSU down even despite. Will Wade's termination, but it seems like the goal when you look at how Louisville was was handled. I mean, Arizona seems to be. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like Arizona's on the verge of of major uh, of, of major penalties. And now at LSU, it seems like one of the big goals is getting the coaches that oversaw the misbehavior uh, fired or getting them out of uh, at, at least you know the the yeah. the program, if not the sport entirely. And if LSU were trying to fight this with Will Wade remaining as head coach, I do think they'd be staring down some some serious uh, penalties. But now that they fired Will Wade, they might they might skate on this relatively. Uh, yeah, you know, I still think they're going to get hit with something. Obviously, oh yeah, will go something lessens, lessens yeah lessens the blow. It's just depending on you know the. One year postseason thing you can get by. When you get multiple postseasons, that's when it starts to get kind of iffy. But I think they they did about as good a job as anybody hiring. You know, Matt McMahon's the guy that's very respected in the coaching mm-hmm. community. Uh, a lot of people think he's one of the best guys on the board there. He's a really good evaluator of talent. What he was able to do at Murray State was pretty interesting. I tell you what, though, speaking of Murray State, I'll be interested to see if Tevin Brown has a new school. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he doesn't. It'll just be interesting to see where he goes. Uh, you know, sticking with LSU, in hindsight, wouldn't it have been wiser for them just to go ahead and have, have uh, taken that, uh, taken a year of, of postseason sanctions since they went one and done? They shouldn't have gone to Tampa. Yeah. They shouldn't have gone to Tampa, let alone the NCAA tournament. They shouldn't yeah, even have been really? in Tampa. What did, they, what did they get out of that? Got, yeah, oh I mean, with that team, with that team, you knew that they weren't going to make a really deep run anyway. But it would have been smart. I mean, you saw what mm-hmm. Auburn did. Yep. You saw Oklahoma State. You know, told them no, we're going to play in it, and they got hit with a postseason ban. Auburn decides to go ahead and sit it out the Sharif Cooper year, and uh, we're able to skate without uh, anything like that. Not trying to compare what was done, but no, it would have made a lot of sense if they would have just gotten rid of uh, rid of Will uh, Will Wade and then um, took the postseason ban. But they didn't. That's why I think they're going to get at least one year with the postseason. Jake, what what do you think of some of the other uh, moves that we've seen around the SEC? You know, I think a lot of folks thought that schools were going to follow the coaches who have had, you know, huge success at the Power Five level. I mean, that was the trend in the SEC, right? When you think about Ben Howland, Tom Crean, Bruce Pearl even, right? When schools were hiring uh, their, their, uh, mm-hmm. their, their next coach, they wanted someone who's won a lot in the SEC. This time, it seems like it's who's next, Todd Golden, who's who's next? Dennis Gates, uh, Chris Jans at Mississippi Lamont State. Harris today to South Carolina. That's right. Who's done a great job at Chattanooga? What what, what do you think of some of these other? Uh, and and of course, Matt McMahon would would fall into that mm-hmm. category as well. It, yeah. You know, a youth movement or uh, schools betting on potential. It seems like with their uh, with with their basketball coaches. Yeah, well, you know, it's been a lot of young coaches. Uh, you've you've seen that. You know, the Lamont Paris hire. I, I think was really interesting for South Carolina. You know, what he was able to do at Chattanooga, getting D'Souza, the, the five-star Kansas transfer, uh, to go over there. And, and John Baptiste and those guys already already kind of spoke on the McMahon hire. The best one, I think, though, without a doubt, was Todd Golden. Uh, I think Todd Golden's going to do a heck of a job at Florida. You know, the way he coaches analytically with what he does with his rotations are really, really interesting. It's something that uh, I'm interested to see how it works in the SEC and as it kind of makes its way into Power 6 basketball. Uh, but I think the hires have been pretty good so far. You know, Dennis Gates, I think, is going to do a good job taking over for Quanzo out there. But if you look, coaches are getting younger by the day, man. It's uh, You see it across all sports. 
And with the way the SEC is, as competitive as it's been, even though they have totally fallen flat on their face in the NCAA tournament, you know, we talked about in the show today, Arkansas is like the Jon Snow of the SEC right now in Game of Thrones. They're just out there with one sword trying to fight off the whole army uh, with a tough matchup against Gonzaga coming up. But, yeah, you kind of see the youth movement in coaching, and I think they've done a good job. And then I think the the most conventional path would be well, conventional is not the right word. Chris Jans, I mean, it, it's uh, I mean to go from junior college to assistant at the group of five mid major level to you know he eventually got to to Bowling Green and then New Mexico State and Mississippi State. I mean, not, bringing him in now. I mean, Chris Jans has. I mean, this guy is battle tested at, at a lot of different levels, and he's been successful. Uh, Virtually everywhere he's ever been, including uh, taking New Mexico State uh, very nearly uh, to the Sweet 16 uh, this year. What, what do you think of the decision to replace Ben Howland uh, with Chris Jans? Well, you know, we've seen at work a bunch of coaches that have gone. I mean, Chris Beard was coached out of Fort Scott Community College before, you know, he kind of got his, his um, you know, big break. Steve Forbes, Steve Forbes at Wake Forest was uh, was the Steve coach in, uh, in yeah, Niceville, I mean, Northwest Florida State. Yeah, I think you I think you've always got to kind of look at it um, in, in, you know, case-by-case case cases, I guess if that makes sense, or kind of standalone. I don't ever really want to group, uh, you know, coaches that come from a certain level into one because it's kind of all over the board. But we've seen it hit. Uh, and, a, and a lot of things, too, even with the transfer portal as it is, when you coach at junior college, you learn that world, and you have a ton of relationships in junior college. So you tend to have success recruiting guys from junior college. So, uh, I, I like the Chris Jans hire. I don't think anybody's really made a bad hire, as crazy as that sounds. Now, not everybody can win, especially when you all go to the same league. But it's kind of funny. We saw this in the SEC in college football a couple of years back. There's a lot of changing of the guard. But I don't blame Mississippi State at all for moving on from Ben Howland. The one I'm going to see is really interesting is, Kermit Davis has got to be on his last leg over there at Ole Miss. Yeah, and Mike White sort of getting overshadowed already, right? You know, Georgia wanted to make a big splashy hire. They poach a a sitting SEC head coach, and a week later it seems like there's other more interesting storylines as far as, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, I I think a lot of schools in the SEC feel like they they went out and got somebody uh, maybe even more exciting than Mike White. He's more proven, though, than they are at this level. You're you're absolutely right. Don't be, you know, Mike Mike White, don't discount the uh, the fact that he's been around the SC. I really want to see what Dennis Gates can do. You know, he had a great reputation working with Leonard Hamilton at Florida State. Now Missouri's bringing him in. Uh, He did win some games at Cleveland State. A lot of interesting coaches being added uh, to the mix around the SEC, Jake. You want to, uh, you want to, you want to pivot to football a little bit, Bill? As, yeah, uh, as absolutely. Spring, we, 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 spring. Can, we can always pivot. Absolutely. Auburn, uh, I mean, it's still basketball season, but Auburn spring football, uh, getting, uh, getting into the swing of things. Uh, we were able to talk to, uh, some of the coaches, uh, this week, uh, the, the new arrivals, the coordinators talking, uh, last week. What, what are sort of the big storylines you're looking for in the, uh, in, in spring practice this year at Auburn, Jake? Well, I mean, you got it, it. It almost starts and ends with me at the quarterback position. I mean, again, even though you've got some guys that are banged up, Auburn has to find a guy there. You know, we've seen TJ Finley. You've got some young guys coming in. What I'm interested to see is how Demetrius Davis does with the style of offense. You saw Eric Keystyle talk about, you know, how it's going to be traditional pro style, how that fits with what Demetrius does. But you're going to have people leave after. Uh, and then you look it up front, you know, on the offensive line. You do have some guys returning. But can some guys step up? You know, in spring, you always have some surprises, whether it's good or bad. But Auburn needs, you know, it's not about your first five. It's about your first seven and your first eight. And that's the nature of that position. So looking at the quarterback, looking at the offensive line, obviously the wide receiver room, 
with the lack of experience there. We've seen Auburn host guys on visits from the portal. You know, you look at Arkansas State, some other places like that. But there's a lot of positions up for grabs and very important positions. Yeah, I'm really intrigued. The guy, we, we've talked about him a little earlier as a guy that caught some folks' eyes yesterday, and that's uh, Robbie Ashford. I mean, he's the wild card. I really don't know what to expect from him. He He's a big athlete, but we really haven't seen him on the football field. Yeah, and, and you know, you got to put a couple good days together. It's, we'll see as it goes on. But having one of those guys kind of step up, you know, no pun intended, from the ashes, whether it's Robbie Ashford coming in from Oregon after the, the basic swap, uh, for Bo Nix, if that's what you want to call it. Well, what you got to have is you, in this style of offense, you know, having a guy that can run is obviously huge. You keep the defense, you know, kind of off their toes. Sometimes they have to use the spy, which takes the guy out of coverage or at least kind of leverages the coverage a little bit. But being able to operate the offense from under center, being able to operate it from the gun as well, uh, is a really big deal. So uh, when I'm looking at, at guys like Robbie coming in, you know, in the SEC, it's kind of a, a brand new world. Can you handle everything? Can you handle selling the play action? Can you get your eyes in the right spot? Can you diagnose coverages? Can you make throws on the run, whether it's to the left or whether it's to the right? That's going to be the thing that separates somebody here in the spring. So if they can have a guy that surprises everybody and uh, kind of comes through and, and does something nobody expected, that would be huge. Because somebody's look, eventually somebody's got to take the reins. Somebody's got to be the voice in that room. Somebody's got to step in and say, you know what, I'm going to do it. That's fine. Let me do it. Believe in me, and I'm going to ride it as far as we can go. Talking yeah. with Jake Crane from Crane and Company here on the Tuesday edition of the Drive. We were talking earlier in the show, Jake, about T.J. Finley maybe being the guy that could surprise some people. Obviously, there's some improvement needed from the T.J. Finley that we've seen thus far in his college football career, but at the same time, uh, th- there's a skill set there that attracted, you know, that that, that uh, convinced Auburn to bring him in, convinced LSU to bring him in out of high school, and you don't want to close the you don't want to close the book and, and offer a verdict uh, too early on a quarterback. What what do you think of the possibility of an improved TJ Finley leading the offense in 2022? Well, you know, he's from what I've seen, he's got a long way to go, but that doesn't mean you can't do it. I mean, he's he's got the body type to be able to spin the ball. You know, it's not like, you know, he has no touch or anything like that, but after seeing last year, he's got to be able to make big throws in big situations. And that's what springs for. You know, you, you kind of fine-tune some guys to see where everybody's progressed another year on the offense. But the thing with TJ is you had a lot of opportunities to go in there and get it done in big moments. Uh, you know, not being able to put points on the board against Alabama, throwing that big interception in the third quarter. So you've got a long way to go, you know, in the coach's eyes, even though they've moved on for some of the coordinators, in being able to do it when it counts. Because being able to do it in practice is one thing. And you all know me, practice is, is just as important as anything. But being able to go out there and do it in clutch moments in big games that you come to Auburn not only playing to win, that's the difference. And and the jury's still out for me on T.J. Finley. And that's why this Friday scrimmage is going to be very important. I know it's not a game, but it's also not practice. It's not going to be just against air. No, and, and that's the thing you, you've got to kind of see. Uh, and, and using spring practice, the scrimmages are going to tell you a lot because while it's not an actual game game, it's as close as you're going to get. You know, mm-hmm. some guys are able to shine when the lights are the brightest, and some guys kind of shy away from it. So, you know, trying to separate not only the guys that are returning that have gotten a little bit of taste, but seeing the new guys that haven't gotten a taste of it, who can really step up, like I said, you know, and take the reins. Jake, great stuff as always. Uh, let everybody know what uh, you, you were mentioning, some of the things you, you were talking about today. Let them know about Crane & Company and how they can check it out. 
Yeah, well, we're uh, live on uh, YouTube, uh, thedailywire.com. You can find all our shows on Apple Podcasts and Spotify uh, from 2 to 3 Central weekdays. We talk everything. I mean, we went from the AL East to March Madness, talked about the Auburn game, hit a little bit of the uh, NFL QB carousel. Because, you know, I mean, we don't, we don't talk politics, man. We talk ball. So if you're looking for a place that actually just talks about sports, and doesn't try to jam anything political down your throat, uh, come check us out. It's a fun time of year, and uh, uh, you you do a great job with it, Jake. We really appreciate it, man. Well, thanks, guys. I'm looking forward to talking to you next week and seeing how this spring shakes out. Sounds good. See you, Jake. Jake Crane, Crane & Company. Check him out. And, yes, we appreciate him joining us every uh, Tuesday afternoon in the uh, final half hour. We'll get to our final break of the afternoon. Stick with us here on the Tuesday Drive. Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. And on Fox Sports Central Alabama at 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final uh, five or six minutes here on this um, Tuesday. We were going to run some audio, but, I mean, it was great because your calls come first. We were going to run some audio from uh, the interviews with the new assistant coaches yesterday. Tell you what, you, l- let's run a little bit. Uh, we'll run a little bit. We've a little got bit of a the rock? Minutes. Yeah. Rock Bellantoni. Uh one of the uh, new assistant coaches. Obviously, he is the edge coach. Now, he was with the team last year as an analyst. So, uh, uh, you know, and he's got a couple of the more proven players on defense with Derek Hall, Ekuliota. That's a category. That, that is a... But, uh, but behind them, it's, it's Dylan Brooks, and that's, and that's it as far as scholarship. And that's goes. a spot on the roster where Auburn would like more production. Yes. That's a category where Auburn defensively needs to improve is getting after the quarterback. It's never been more important to have an effective pass rush. A lot of, a lot riding on Auburn, uh, you know, Derek and, and, uh, and, and Eku and, and whoever else they can get. Dylan Brooks, like I said, the only other, the only other player, because, you know, we'd heard talk about some other guys getting work there. And thus far, it sounds like as was the situation with Landon King, Working strictly at tight end, Cam Riley was lined up with the uh, number one linebackers yesterday. Hasn't there had been some speculation he could move out? We'll let you hear a couple of minutes of of Rock Bell and Tony before we run out of time this afternoon. Oh, it's, I mean, it's made a huge difference. There hasn't been that grace period where you have to get to know guys and know what makes them tick and know what they're about. But the, also special teams, too. It's It's been nice to have been around and know what we did, what we had problems with, what was good at, what we were good at. To have a relationship with a lot of kids on this team has made it a lot easier than coming in off the street, you know, two weeks before we get started. It would, it would have been a whirlwind circus. So it's uh, very beneficial to have been here. Yeah. What's been your impression so far of the guys you're working with? I've talked to you before, but for, for folks that haven't talked to you, just – Derek, two of those guys. Yeah. What jumps out to you about the group you got so far? Oh, well, I, I think they're even more focused than they were a year ago. Um, I think they're more bought in than they were a year ago. I think, well, the entire atmosphere of the football team is different than it was even in bowl preparation. I feel like everyone's on the same page. Everyone's pulling in the same direction. We're going going the right way around here. But with, you know, Echo and Derek have big-time hopes and big-time dreams and, 
uh, some uh, hefty goals. So um, they've been they've been great. You know, they're open to a couple little different tweaks and things like that. Uh, they also need they know they need to bring along Dylan Brooks as a guy that needs to be a football player here and. You know, so they're coaching him. When I'm coaching somebody else, they're on top of him, and that's been great. The leadership has been really good. As a veteran coach, how beneficial is it for the players that there's not a ton of changes on defense? So we talked to, to Derek and those guys, and they said, look, there's some, some minor tweaks and things, but actually kind of made it, made it simplified a little more to make it easier. How beneficial is that for the players to not have a big change? It makes a huge difference. At least, you know, some of the terms have changed and some of the techniques may change a little bit, but one of the benefits of promoting from within is keeping continuity, whether it's uh, the way you say something, the way it was taught in the past, a little tweak here and there. I think it's been great for our guys are running the same system for a second year in a row for the most part with you know hopefully there's been some improvements but for the most part it's the same thing and that's that's how you get better if you're changing things constantly from year to year you're going to get worse every year yeah that's uh rock bell and tony auburn's edge and special teams coach and that was jason caldwell uh who was asking him questions and jason of course will be with us in hour number one tomorrow if if i'm here don't don't make if all of if all of us are here right if well, any of us right. make it but but uh, we're all no. day to day Bill. I mean it may be it may be a big exciting, day it may be look, a big day in the uh, exciting in stuff the, uh, in, the, in the Cameron family exciting tomorrow. happy stuff maybe going a on. new addition to the family yeah, don't don't want to worry people tomorrow. exciting happy no, stuff no, going no. on in the yeah. Cameron family Bill yeah. may be busy tomorrow but we're gonna do a show but never. the show will be the show will be on the right. air uh, yeah so fun today. Thanks to Barrett Sully, Jake Crane, and all the calls. Uh, that's going to do it, though, for the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Have a good one, everybody. We are out of here.